You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Hey guys, good to see you here this morning. If you got your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 27. As you're turning there, I wanted to start with uh, just some house cleaning type stuff. If you're new to FC or maybe you're visiting, uh, this is not how we typically talk, but we are in the midst of a really big transition as a church. Uh, Next Sunday is our last Sunday to worship in this room. And so uh, lots of things going on. I want to remind you, as Pastor Todd said, uh, we're going to be having a nine o'clock and 11 o'clock service. Uh, So make sure you guys are are aware of that. Uh, One of the biggest things over the next two weeks is we, uh, in an attempt to save some money on some of these bigger projects, uh, we're going to take on some projects as a church, and so we're going to paint some uh, walls. And so if you can paint, uh, we need you to help with that. Uh, we're going to put together some furniture, all the new furniture we got for the new space. Uh, we're going to put that together, move it over there. Uh, we've got some media stuff we're going to do. We've got just a lot of stuff on uh, campus that we're going to do over the next two weeks, uh, beginning this Friday uh, night. And so uh, if you will go to our website, foothillschurch.com, and then at the bottom there's a transition tab. Uh, you'll see times and you'll see various projects that are going on. Would you please help us uh, and, uh, and serve in that way over the next two weeks, uh, a busy uh, two weeks for us in store. Uh, and then we're also, uh, one of the first things we're going to do, not one of, the first thing we're going to do in the auditorium uh, next door is to read the Word of God out loud. We want the first thing to happen in that room uh, to be the reading of God's Word. So from Genesis to Revelation, we're going to read every chapter out loud. And obviously, uh, we need your help to do that. And uh, we're going to start next Sunday. And so again, if you go to our website, you can click on the, the, the Bible reading tab, and then you can sign up. doesn't matter if there are multiple people there at the same time. In fact, that's a great thing if we have multiple people there reading chapters uh, uh, at a time. You're, you're basically going to sign up for one hour. So maybe before work, um, after work, maybe you'll skip work and come and, uh, and read for an hour. Uh, I, I just believe God's going to bless that. And uh, we're also going to have a prayer journal that you can write uh, some prayers in. It's actually the same journal we used when we moved into this space uh, uh, four years ago. And so it's going to be a, a great experience. I hope you, you'll join us. And, and obviously, as we get closer to uh, the, the, the opening of the facility, uh, we're, we're experiencing more and more uh, growth as a church. And so uh, maybe not today because it's spring break, it's time change, and, and uh, we get that. But uh, the last few weeks have been record-breaking Sundays for us, and so it's been very awesome. And, and uh, with that means that there are parking issues, and, and I know that can be frustrating, but uh, let's not get mad at the parking attendance for uh, Jesus bringing more people to our church. And so uh, when I go to a UT game, I uh, sit in traffic for about 45 minutes to an hour, and uh, I don't yell at people. Uh, I certainly can come to church and uh, get excited. Not that anybody has, I'm just saying, um, let's love them and, and uh, follow their, their guidance in the parking lot. And then as well as I want to make sure everybody knows that the company behind us, Schneider Electric Company, right behind our campus, has graciously allowed us to park there on Sunday mornings. And so if you are physically able, uh, I would encourage you to park there and open up some space here for all the new people that are going to be attending. And uh, there's a short little hike. Um, if you've ever hiked Abrams Falls, then you can do this hike. Uh, so on a scale of one to five, it's about a 1.5 and uh, only one part. And so I encourage you guys to do that. It would help us out greatly. Uh, Next week, 
uh, will be our last Sunday in this room. Uh, our kids will be in here with us, so it's going to be a, a day to, to really reflect upon what God has done in our church over the last nine years. Uh, Easter is our birthday as a church, and so uh, I don't know about you, but in our family, we never actually celebrate on the day, and so that's actually going to be a celebration for us next Sunday uh, as we look at the last nine years, what God has done really specifically in this room, and I'll and, uh, be talking a lot about preparing our hearts for what to expect over the next uh, several months as a church. And so uh, today, though, we're going to close our sermon series on the book of Acts. We've been in Acts uh, since May of 2017, and so uh, we've gone into different series, series throughout. Uh, there's been 24 sermons. This is number 24. And God's just been doing a lot of awesome, great work in our church, in our small groups as we've studied the early church. And I hope it's been a blessing to you and, and uh, you've learned a lot. You've grown spiritually. I know uh, I have. And, and uh, so as we close today, uh, we're going to see uh, what, what God uh, is doing in the life of Paul. So Paul is on trial before the governor. Uh, his name was Festus, and he appealed to Caesar, which as a Roman citizen, he had the right to do that, which meant that, okay, you've got to travel to Rome, and then your trial would be heard by the emperor. Well, to get to Rome, he had to get on a boat and set sail, and this journey was going to be filled with disasters. In fact, there was going to be one crisis after another crisis after another crisis. It's going to be incredibly difficult. And for many of you in the room, you're going to be able to relate to the, uh, the, the problems and, and just having issues and, and just the crisis of, of whatever you're facing today. And for Paul, it was like he just couldn't catch a break. And it's like a one wave after the next wave just continued to, 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 to hit him. And, and uh, some of you walk in here today and you kind of probably feel like that. Kind of probably feel like, you know, you're in the midst of a crisis. You're in the midst of a, of, of a problem. And just when things start to get better, something else happens. And it's just like, man, I, I can't catch a break. Well, Let's look at chapter 27 and, and begin to, to look at what our first response usually is to a crisis in our life. And then we're going to look at Paul's response and, and the confidence that he has in the midst of a storm. And, and we're going to hopefully grow and learn uh, from his example today. So let's look at verse 3 to get us going today. Verse 3 of chapter 27 says, The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Let me just make a few comments here today. I mean, that kind of really sets the tone for the sermon. The winds were against us. Some of you walk in here today and it feels like the winds are against you. The relational issue that continues to haunt you. Maybe it's a sickness or maybe it's a, a, an issue at work. And, and it's just like, man, the winds of this life are, are hitting you in the face today. And you just don't feel like you can catch a break. We plan our sermons a year in advance. So I knew last year that I'd be in chapter 27 um, I didn't have the sermon written, uh, but started that process about two weeks ago, and I wrote the outline and started to prepare for this day. And I had no idea at that time that I personally would, would be in a crisis, and, and my entire family would be in a crisis when I was preparing this. And so this week, 
as I began to experience this, like my, my, my faith is, has been challenged in, and uh, the reality of, of what I'm going through is, is in, and what my family is going through is just, just really kind of smacked us in the face. Uh, this past Thursday, we learned that, that my mother has cancer. And um, when we learned that, we were completely devastated. I mean, this is a woman who is always healthy her entire life. I mean, she's never had a surgery. She's never had health issues. And, and so this came on very sudden and, and just, just very alarming. Like, this is a woman who is always active, always serving. She actually hikes in the Smokies uh, every single week. In fact, she's hiked every single trail in the Smokies. She's actually hiked the entire Appalachian Trail. And so she's like the Energizer Bunny. And uh, she likes hiking so much. Her, her uh, Instagram name is Nana Hikes. And uh, so... Uh, we learned this, and we were just, we were, we were devastated, and we don't really know what it means. It's so fresh. It's still kind of raw for us, and so we're all very emotional, and, and um, know that we're going to learn what some of this treatment is going to look like, and so I ask that you would pray, you know, for our family, pray for my mom, and uh, as, as, we, as we go through this, it's just like, man, like, like this is a crisis. Like, how, how do we respond to this? How, how am I personally supposed to respond? How, how, how must she? And, and, and I would bring that question to your mind to wrestle with today. When a trial, a suffering, a, a, a storm in life hits you, how, how are you going to have confidence, how, a confident faith? And, and how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond when you have a miscarriage? How do you respond when Someone gets cancer, maybe even you. How do you respond when you lose a job or, or maybe you realize your marriage is over? What do you do when these events hit you in the face and, and, and you look around and, 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 and you struggle and there's pain and there's, 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 there's suffering within your heart? How do you wrestle with that and what do you do with that? I think the first thing that the sailors do on the ship when the storm hits them is is in many ways what we do when a crisis hits our life. And so let's look at verse 9 here, and we're going to see what happens next. It says, verse 9, Since much time had passed, they'd been sailing for a while, the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. So Passover had ended, and so uh, it was almost winter. You don't sail in the winter months. It's too dangerous. Uh, and, and, And so they would typically just kind of hunker down for a few months. So Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than what Paul said. Now hop down to verse 13. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along creek close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster, struck down from the land. When the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee, a small island called Kata, we managed with difficulty to to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, They began the next day to jettison the cargo, to throw it off the ship. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, 
and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. What do we typically do when we face suffering, when we get bad news, when a trial, a storm, a crisis hits our life? Well, the first thing that we typically do is we, we fight out of our own strength. We fight hard initially out of our own strength. Verse 13, they thought they had achieved their purpose. A gentle wind uh, came uh, and, and started to blow, and they thought, oh, all right, here's our chance, and uh, we don't care what Paul says. We know he's saying that we shouldn't go and we're in trouble, but we're going to trust the pilot and the owner. Why? Well, we're just going to go with them. Obviously, they owned it. They were kind of leading, and, and they were probably about all the money, and we got we to deliver the goods that are on the ship. And, and so they don't listen to him. Out of their own strength, they push forward, and they don't get very far. As the wind changes, as the wind picks up and blows against them, they were not able to sail. And the storm began to wreak havoc, and they began to to, to, to fear for their lives. You know, typically what happens when you face a crisis is immediately you kind of get into go mode. Like we are gonna fix this, I am gonna solve this. And out of your own strength, you push hard. You stay up late to fix the problem. You get up early to work on it. You go to church, you go to counseling, you read a book, you open up the Bible. You have all of this energy to address this crisis. But our flesh is weak. Our personal strength can only take us so far before we get tired. Our attitude changes, and eventually our strength just runs out. Then what happens? When our strength runs out, because we're, we're trying to react out of our own strength, the second thing that we do is we give up. We stop fighting. Verse 15 says that they gave way to the wind and were driven along. In other words, they just, they just stop fighting the wind and they just let the wind take them wherever the wind uh, decided to take them. And, and, and they had lost that kind of sense of fighting and, and they just kind of gave up. And you know, the reality is some of you have faced that same struggle. You started to fight and then you just kind of gave up. You, you just kind of threw your hands up and you just kind of, you know, let the wind take you wherever. You just started drifting in life. You gave up on your goals. The grief of that experience has hit you so hard that you just kind of gave up on like what your goals in life were or, or what you hoped to accomplish. And some of you gave up on this dream or this, this idea of what you wanted your marriage to be. You just gave up and, and you just stopped fighting and and that's the tendency when we face a crisis. We work really hard in our own strength. We get zapped. We can't work any harder. And then we just give up. They were on this ship for two weeks. Verse 20 says that they couldn't see the sun and they couldn't see the stars because the storm was so thick. The cloud cover was so heavy. So how do you navigate a, a, you know, a ship in the first century? There, there's no GPS. No, 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 no Siri. There's no compass. You use the stars. So here they are in darkness. They can't see the sun. They can't see the stars. They are lost at sea in darkness. And listen to me, some of you, some of you are right here. Some of you have lost your sense of direct, direction in this dark season in your life. You don't know where you're going. You're just drifting along. You've lost purpose. You've, you, you've lost a, a sense of direction in your life because of this crisis. 
And the sailors are experiencing this same uh, idea and this same point. And so uh, what they do next is they start throwing important stuff overboard. And that's typically what we do. You know, we, we give up fighting, we just kind of drift along, and then we just kind of get rid of important things in our life. In verse 18, they start throwing cargo and tackle overboard. Now the cargo, the food, what they were, what they were actually shipping, uh, the tackle was furniture and, and navigation instruments, and so they just started throwing everything overboard in an attempt to save, you know, the ship, and they thought it would help to, to lighten the load, and that's what we do. Think about it. Like you have values and, and you, you, you're connected maybe in church, but you go through a crisis and what do you want to do? You're, you're, you're tempted to want to be alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I just want to be by myself. And so we, we throw church overboard. I don't want to go to small group. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to talk about this. And so what do we do? We throw relationships overboard. So, so some of us, we, we, we have values, right? We want to live a godly, holy life. But we go through a crisis and it drains us of our strength and energy so much. It zaps us. We get, we get so lost spiritually in darkness and we start throwing our values overboard. What we, what we tried to do, what we, what we held uh, in, in high esteem and, and, and wanted to you know, live a holy life, a life of character. And now all of a sudden we're okay with immorality we're okay with the direction that we're living. We just kind of give up and we get rid of the important things in our life. And then finally what we do is we give up all hope. Verse 20, all hope of being saved was abandoned. They thought they were gonna die. The ship was breaking apart. The storm was too strong. They were lost. They were in darkness and they were ready to just give up. They thought it was over. Some of you walk in here today and you have lost all hope. You have abandoned hope for your marriage. You have abandoned hope for your physical health. You have abandoned hope for your financial life. You have abandoned hope for your relationships. And some of us in here today are like, yep, you got me, Trent. (laughs) That's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly what I'm experiencing. And so what do you do? How do you respond How do you have confidence in your faith? A confident faith, a a, a faith of strength. And and how do you get through situations like this? Because we are going to experience these situations all throughout our life. Well, here's the sermon idea today that I want to spend some time unpacking. See, the reality is confidence doesn't come from your personal strength. It comes and is rooted in a personal savior. So, so we, we read self-help books and, and we read all of these, these positive quotes and we watch programs that, that offer hope and, 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 and we're trying to find strength to, to, to really strengthen ourselves. And, and what we lose sight of is that you will never be strong enough to face this with courage on your own. But that courage comes from a personal savior who loves you, who is with you, and who is strengthening you even today if you will seek him, if you will connect to him today. So let's look at a positive reaction, a confident reaction as the ship is falling apart, as all hope is abandoned. Here's what Paul says in verse 21. He says, since they, it says, since they have been without food for a long time, I'm sure they were starving, the, the sea probably, you know, coming into the boat spoiled most of their food. 
they threw a lot of it, if not all of it, overboard. He says, men, Paul stood up among them and he said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. He basically says, I told you so. (laughs) Your spouse ever told you that? I told you so. Told you not to do it. You know, next time, you know, your spouse says, I told you so. And, and, and they say, I hate it when you say that. Just say, it's biblical. It's bad. Like, Paul did it. I don't know. I don't recommend that. Verse 22, he says, yet now I urge you to what? I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you but only of the ship. How does he know this? Verse 23, for this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told pretty impressive faith, pretty impressive courage here. So what do we learn? How do do we get this same courage? Well, the first thing I think he's reminding us is that God is with you today. And if you're going through a crisis, let's let's just focus on that for a moment. God is with you today. Sometimes we feel like when we're going through a time and a season of suffering that God doesn't care or that God is far from us. But Paul reminds us to take heart. God hasn't abandoned us. God is actually speaking to us. And he spoke to me, so have faith. You see, God is with you today. And Paul is confident of this. He says, the God that I belong to, the God that I worship, has sent me a message. And so this is a message of of hope. He says, an angel came to me. I don't know if it was a dream, if it was a vision, But God spoke to him through this angel and said, it is going to be okay. And some of you read that and and, and you are kind of responding with, well, yeah. Like if I'm going through a crisis and and, and like an angel showed up, you know, at at my doorstep and said, God just wanted you to know, you know, wings flapping, it's gonna be okay. You'd probably be encouraged by that. You'd probably say, if I had one, if I had a dream, if I had something like that, clouds, you know, in the sky kind of went into a shape that told me something while I was looking for a sign, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be encouraged. But can I tell you that we have something greater than an angel, than a vision. You and I have the very words of God. This is his love letter to you filled with the hope and the promises and the strength that come from our God. It is right here written on the pages of this book. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God is with you. Some of you are afraid of shadows. But is there any reason to be afraid of a shadow? It is a shadow of death. It is not real. It cannot harm you. It will not hurt you. I remember as a little kid, we lived in Cincinnati, Ohio, and my dad and I, we were playing, we were just tossing a football in the living room. 
that was okay back in the day in our, in our family. We could, we could throw balls in the house. And, and uh, we, we had a living room off of the, the family room. And, and there was this massive, you know, 1980s type style lamp. And uh, when that lamp was turned on, it would cast this shadow on the floor. And I promise you, it looked like a really scary cowboy. <laughs> it, was, it was legit. Like, and so I remember dad passing the ball, kind of tipping off my fingers and going into, you know, the living room there where the cowboy was. And I was like, yo, not going in there. And it's like, let's do something else, Dad. Let's do something else. And he's like, why? Go get the ball. You know, go get the ball. You know, why won't you go get the ball? And he was trying to convince me to go get the ball until finally I just kind of like, Dad, I'm not going in there. The cowboy is in there. <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? And he went in and he turned the light off. And then he turned the light on. And he explained to me, it's just a shadow. You don't have to fear shadows. You see, God is with you. You don't have to fear whatever situation you're facing today because God is with you, right? The scripture says in Psalm 119 that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In the midst of sorrow, God's word lights up your next step. Does not light up step 20 and step 50 and, and next year it lights up the next step? So take that next step that he has that lit up for you today. Psalm 119 also says, you are my shelter and my shield, and I put my hope in your word. I don't put my hope in my strength. I don't put my hope in my bank account. I don't put my hope in my home and in any other relationships. I'm encouraged by all those things, hopefully, but my hope must be in the word and promises of God. Folks, we have the written word of God. I will, I will challenge you and plead with you to open up your Bible and to read the Psalms, read the Gospel of John, and see the, the very words of God's promises leap off the page into your heart and fill you with joy and hope as you face whatever challenge and struggle you face today. Not only do we have the word of God, but we have the spirit of God living within us. The scripture says in Romans 5.5 5, that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I don't live in my own strength. I, I, I can only take myself so far and I, I constantly do this. I constantly try to live life out of my own talent and my own strength. And then I become weak and then I'm struggling and, and sin begins to win in my life. And, and, and then I'm, I pray that God reminds me that you're living in your own strength and your own power. Connect with me. You know, spend time with me. Let my spirit develop you and, and grow you and strengthen you. Romans 8.26 says the spirit helps us, listen to this, in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We don't, we don't even know what to say. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Think about this promise. Too deep for words. You ever been in prayer with God, overwhelmed emotionally? Your heart is crying out to God to save, to change, to heal, to do something. And in the midst of, 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 of that cry, you're just out of words. Like, I don't even know what else to say. I am just broken, God, and I'm, I'm just hurting before you. And it's in that moment that we can be reminded that the Spirit of God within us is praying on our behalf, is interceding on our behalf with groanings that are so deep that words can't even explain it. Folks, God is with you today. He is praying and, and interceding for you and strengthening you even when you don't know how or what to say. 
Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. I have sent to you a comforter over and over and over again in the word of God. He tells us that he is with us and he will never leave us. And so today we've got to be encouraged and trust and have faith that no matter what you're going through today, God is with you. Secondly, we learn here that God is working in you today. So he's with me, but God is also working in you today. In verse 24, God tells him, Paul, you're going to stand before Caesar. In other words, I've got a plan. I've got a bigger purpose. You've got to trust my bigger purpose. You don't understand this storm. You don't know why you know, this is happening and, and how it's going to turn out. But trust me, I've got a plan that is bigger than your understanding I've got a purpose bigger than what you can understand and see right now. Every single person in this room was born for a purpose and a reason. And God loves you. You're not here by accident. In fact, you're not here this morning by accident. Storms of life are only temporary, but God's plan is eternal. And part of God's plan for you is that you would know him personally so that you would stop depending upon your own strength and start being rooted in a personal Savior. Some of you have stopped fighting. You've given up hope. You've stopped fighting for your goals. You've stopped fighting for your spouse. You've stopped fighting for a right relationship with a son or a daughter. You've given up hope. You're experiencing loneliness Maybe some of you have have given up hope to overcome an addiction. Some of you are are feeling anxiety today and depression and, and you're starting to abandon hope in your life. And can we just be reminded today that God has a bigger plan and purpose for your life. And that if you have hope and faith in Jesus Christ, you will begin to see that bigger purpose. Listen, the bigger the crisis, the bigger the purpose God has. You can trust and rest in that today and be encouraged in that today and have faith in that today. The third truth we have to recognize, not only is God working, but God is also fulfilling his promises today. He's he's fulfilling his promises in your life today and in the future. Verse 25, he says, I have faith in God's plan. God spoke to him and God has and God has given him the faith to trust that plan. God is fulfilling his promises for you today. What are those promises? Let me remind you that God promises to forgive our sins in Christ Jesus today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. God's promise for you is that you can have your sins forgiven. Now, that's incredible news for us because every single one of us walked into this room today with sin in our life, and that sin has broken your relationship with your Creator. And so unless we receive forgiveness, we'll stand before God one day, and He'll say, what did you do with my son, Jesus? And you won't have an answer. And your sins will condemn you for an eternity separated from God. But I believe some of you are here today to hear this message, this hope, 
that God loves you and that your sins can be forgiven by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, turning from your sin and giving your life to Christ, then you begin to see that bigger purpose. Then your faith actually is established and grounded and rooted in this personal Savior. God promises to forgive our sins, our past sins, our present sins, and the sins that I'm going to commit tomorrow and in five years and whatever else is down the pike for me, God has forgiven me of all my sins. Another promise God gives to us is that he will work all suffering for my good, all suffering for your good and his glory. Write this down, Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Oh man, what a powerful verse. Like all those who love God can trust in the fact that every trial, every, every moment of suffering in this world, God is gonna use for my good. You say, what about those who don't love God? And I would say the promise is not for you. If you don't love God today, if your life has not been surrendered to Jesus, then you cannot claim this promise because the promise is for those who love God. And if you love God, you can rest assured that what you're going through today is working for your good. And so we admit, God, I trust that this situation is gonna work out for my good. For those who are called according to his purposes. So his plan, his purpose, not my purpose, not my plan, not my plan, not my purpose for my mom to get sick like this. Not what I want. But God, your plan is bigger. And I can't see it. She can't. But we trust, God, in your bigger plan. And we hope. Romans 8, 38, Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It may feel like God is distant today. It may feel like he's not answering your prayer today. But trust in the promises of God that he is working in you. And the promise is this, death and life cannot separate you from the love of Christ. So if you're in a, if you're in a life-threatening situation, death will not separate you from Jesus. It will actually unite you with Jesus. Angels and rulers can't separate us from the love of Christ. No spiritual being, no spiritual force can separate you from God's love. Nothing present nor things in the future. In other words, time can't separate you from the love of Christ. No powers, no height, no depth. So in other words, there, there, there's no space that can separate you from the love of Christ. No matter where you go, God's love is present. Nothing created can separate you and me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus God promises to work all of these things for our good. God also promises to give us a future in heaven for those who have faith and trust in Jesus. Scripture says in John 14, 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus promises to come and return again and take us to be with him. When we die from this world, we either live forever in heaven with Christ or we live forever eternally separated from Christ. See, some of you are going through a devastating crisis today, right now. Your problems are overwhelming and you're thinking, man, I'm going under. The ship is breaking down. I can't see the sun. I'm I'm, I'm in darkness. All hope has been abandoned. There's no confidence in your faith today. Let me remind you that that courage, that confidence isn't going to come out of your own strength. You need something much bigger than yourself. And you need to connect to a personal Savior who loves you, died on the cross for your sins, gives you the hope of heaven, rose from the grave. And it's in him and it's through him that we have faith and confidence in a time of suffering. But what do you do during this this crisis? What do you do? How do you cope? Well, in verse 29, it says that they were fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks. And so they dropped four anchors and they prayed until daylight. Think about this. How scary would that have been? In a huge storm, tossed back and forth by these waves, the wind, the rain, the lightning. They dropped four anchors and they hunkered down and they begged God that they would see the morning. They would see the light of day. And I would say there is no greater advice for anyone in the room No greater direction as you face suffering, as you go through a crisis, to get down on your knees, shut the door, turn the phone off, open up your Bible, and lay your head on the floor and say, God, let me see the daylight. And what happens is they do. The sun comes up the next day, they survive the night, and they see a beach. The land was there all throughout the night but they couldn't see it. But now that the sun is up, the clouds have parted, they see it. And so they set sail for the beach, they land, and all of the sailors, everybody on the boat survives, just as God had promised Paul. And they make it out okay. And and like, this is is the, the happy ending, right? Like they made it. Huge storm, huge crisis, abandoned hope, God answers, God restores. You see, after the storm, You can look back and say, now I see the hand of God. I didn't see it at the time. I didn't know the reasons. I didn't know the what. I didn't know the why. And maybe I still don't fully understand, but but it's clear to me now. Like I see God's hand, his, 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 his saving grace, his power and his strength that led me through this and the people that he brought into my life that ministered to me along the way. Like now I can see more clearly the hand of God, but it's after the storm sometimes. I know that many of you today needed this word just to remind you that God is with you today. Have faith that he is with you, that that there is a bigger purpose, that he is actually working in you today, that he is going to fulfill his promises in your life. And so your confidence can be rooted in this personal savior today. Realize that maybe some of you have never given your life to Christ. 
And so you're kind of struggling with that because you don't have that one question answered, that, that what am I, I going to do when I leave this world? Like, where am I going to go and where will I spend eternity? That one question hasn't been answered for you. And I want to give you an opportunity to, to pray and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today. And then I want to give all of us an opportunity to, to just have someone pray over us, a little bit different than how we normally close Lord, hear our prayers today. Hear our hearts cry. Answer us, God. God, you are our only hope. We are praying in the name of Jesus this morning. I believe in the power of prayer. God is with us today. God is going to change some lives as after a result of, of the prayers that we're praying today. It is moving here. Strengthen God. Give us faith. Let us know that you are with us. That you have a plan. Let us trust it. Father, we lift it up to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Would you stand? Let's worship today as we continue to seek the face of Jesus. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.